0: Amen. Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. I've had a lot of people ask me, uh, I guess, heard I was going to be here today or whatever, and and I thank the pastors that have filled in here at this church. Don't you never forget, we're not still praying for this church for a pastor to lead his people. That's right. But with that saying, People's asked me, uh, you going to bring the Christmas message this morning? Every morning is a Christmas message, I won't tell you. Yeah, that's right. Two days after we left here last time, we had us a brand new baby boy. And I'm going to tell you, that's been a blessing to go along with that first grandson of mine. I'm going to tell you. But, uh, and I'm thankful to have you all here today, in-laws as well. But... Uh, I want, to, I want to delve into Ephesians today um, with a controversial question. Because we're going to be talking about a birth, all right. We're going to be talking about a birth. We're going to talk about blessings. We're going to talk about gifts. Both given and received is what we're going to be talking about today. So if you'll look at verse number 5, and if you'll please stand for the reading of the words God. Of God's Word, that is. Um, verse 5 through 7 to be my text today. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. To Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted... In the beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood. Let me repeat that. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you in the name of Jesus this morning, Lord, thanking you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Lord, as you've laid this message upon my heart, I pray that it's a blessing to you. I pray that it's uplifting to you. I pray it's a blessing to those that's in its hearing distance, Lord, both here and abroad, Lord. For that dear one that needs you as a Lord and Savior, I pray that that message hits true. For your word is true. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I'm fully aware that I'm jumping into deep water when I'm jumping into Ephesians chapter 1. It's here where you find terminology that uh, is very unfamiliar to us, that can lead people into doctrinal error if they do not balance Scripture with Scripture. It's here you'll find in this chapter the word predestination. In Paul's writings, you also find the word election. Those words not used in their proper context can produce a form of doctrine that's anti-God and anti-Scripture. But many years ago, I heard a Bible scholar by the name of Dr. James Crumpton. He taught on how to balance this deep biblical truth. He said nobody outside of Jesus ever understood these words and this doctrine any more than the Apostle Paul. But it never hindered, hindered his evangelism. Nobody ever loves sinners any more than the Apostle Paul. So any form of doctrine that you develop out of Ephesians chapter 1 that waters down your desire to see people saved, you mark it down, It's not in, it's not in balance with the Scriptures and it's foreign to you. But with that in mind, I want to speak on this subject this morning, dealing with these verses. I want to preach on the subject. Do you know the difference between being born again and being adopted? The difference between being born again and being adopted. Now, if I were to ask you, if you were a child of God, Brother Winn, you'd probably say yes. But if I were to ask you, if you were adopted, surely if you know anything about Ephesians chapter 1, you would say yes. That's why it's good to read your Bible. Study your Bible. Come to Sunday school. Yet the experiences according to their terminology are different. But let me show you some things that they have in common before I show you the differences between being born again and being adopted. Number one. Both of these words are scriptural terms. Now, anytime you have a form of doctrine, be sure to make sure that the foundation of those theological standings come from scriptural terms. Don't make up something that's not in the Bible. Being born again is a good term because that's a Bible term. Being adopted is a good term because that's scriptural. That's a Bible term. Even though they're different, are you aware of the fact that when a sinner calls upon Christ, both of these experiences take place at the same time? Even though they're different simultaneously, the same second that you put your faith in the gospel, you're both born again and adopted. You can understand these two by believing the gospel and having balance in your life. Having that faith we were talking about earlier, brother. But I'm tired of quitting shouting because charismatic shout. I'm tired of believing that God can't heal because of fake healers. I'm tired of not enjoying good scriptural doctrine because of somebody else taking it to an extreme. That's not balanced. And I'm not afraid of Ephesians chapter 1. I've been studying in this thing and swimming in it all week. I'm more excited to be a Christian now than I've ever been. Amen? Being born again and being adopted are the same in the fact that both of them honor God's purpose and God's divine plan of salvation. And I'll show that to you in a few moments. Both of them offer benefits to the believer, both now and, thank God, in the eons of time to come. Both of these terminologies are experiences that you can have as a human. The fact that you're here today is proof that you've been born one time. I hate to tell you this, but you've been born. You'd be surprised that people get that mixed up in today's world that we're in, especially in this nation. And out of all the terminologies that Jesus could have used to talk about what you've got to do to go to heaven, isn't it amazing he used terminology that we've experienced here on earth? Being born again. And you remember when he told Nicodemus that. Nicodemus said, is it possible to enter the second time to your mother's womb and be born? Y'all ever read that scripture? Familiar with it? Because as Jesus said, you must be born again. There are probably some here, if you've not experienced that, you know definitely about the subject of adoption. You've heard that. Thousands of newborn babies and little children are adopted around the world every day that we live. So God took both of these human experiences and set them in the middle of a spiritual application to show us how wonderful it is to both be born again and also to be adopted into the family of God. Now there was a long time that I scratched my head, maybe one too many times it looks like about whether if you're born again in the family, you can't be adopted into the family. I didn't have to adopt Christopher. He was born into my family. So why would God save us and adopt us? And if you're adopted into the family, that means you weren't born into the family. So for a while, not not that there's a problem in the Bible, I just couldn't wrap my finite mind around the infinite truth that God is trying to show us in Ephesians chapter 1. But with a little feeble study that I've done, please allow me to show you the difference between born again and being adopted. Number one, being born again means there has been a moment of deliverance or birth. That's why Jesus told the most religious man in the world that he had to be born again. Now, let me tell you something about a birth. It had been two months. We just went through that with that little one right there. A birth is a result of pain, suffering, agony, sorrow. A birth is some, something that takes a period of time. You may have been born on a certain day, but it took a conception and a working going on nine months before you were ever manifest here on earth as a human being. And when your mama gave birth to you, she wasn't knitting, and she wasn't watching soap operas. I tell you what she was a doing. She was a-moaning and a-groaning and a-screaming. One fellow said that the happiest time he'd ever been to be a man was in the delivery room with his wife having their first baby. I don't know what he meant by that, But it's a result of pain. And being born is a painful experience. It's something that takes a long period of time. It's a result of anguish. It's a result of travail. It's a result of bloodshed. It's a result of somebody going through the jaws of death to give you the opportunity to be alive. And that's what exactly Jesus did on the cross. He went through travailing pain, suffering, agony, and was even caught between those jaws of death. And our death and our penalty and our pain and our retaliations against God and our suffering was placed on the lovely Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That's right. May I say to you, we're born again because of the sufferings of the Savior. You should never get too far from the foot of the cross. Every once in a while, you ought to look back and see what Jesus really did to put you in the family of God by being born again by the Holy Ghost. All of us are saved because of the sufferings and the pain of somebody else. But when you're adopted, it doesn't hurt to get adopted. Being born again comes from a birth or a delivery. But being adopted comes from somebody having a burden or somebody that's been forsaken. And that's what God did for us when He saw us. He had a burden. God's pure goodness was shed abroad on us when He owed us absolutely nothing. Talked about that earlier, didn't we, brother? He didn't have to put us into His family. We could have all gone to hell. He'd still be God. You've got to realize that. The full realization who God is that we serve. He's a great God. He doesn't need us. We need Him. He wants us. That's His desire. To fellowship with us. Choice. And the favor of God wasn't something we earned or deserve, but it was in spite of us. I'm adopted in spite of who I am. I'm adopted in spite of the family I was raised by. I'm adopted in spite of the life I lived. In spite of the imperfection of my life. I'm glad God looked far beyond my fault and saw my need when He adopted me. I'm thankful to the Lord. Oh, God. It's only Him. We've got to realize that. Bring others to that same saving knowledge of Jesus. A little girl came home from school one day. I think she's in the second grade. And they sat down to eat. The dad said prayer. And they started passing food around. And notice the little girl just kept passing the food by her plate. Y'all have been through this with your children. You know something's wrong. You know. Especially them mothers, they know. She kept passing that food by. You know how the little children eat now. They, they're not just going to pass it by and let there's something up. So they began to talk and converse. And uh, the dad... Asked the little girl, "Honey, is something wrong with you today? Something bothering you?" She said, "Well, Dad, I guess something is bothering me today. A little girl, something she said to me today at school, and I guess it's just just been on my mind. Second grade now." He said, "Well, honey." Tell me what it is, and maybe Dad can help you with it. You'll do anything in the world to keep your children's heart from breaking now. I'm going to tell you, especially when they're that age. And uh, she said, well, kids were playing at school today. They girl came up to me and said that, uh, she knows I'm adopted. She knows you're not my daddy. They know you're not my mama. And it just it just bothered me. They were teasing me and playing around the swing and circling me and jumping around and just the whole group of them got in on it. They're kind of like chickens pecking. You those that raise chickens, you know that weak one gets pecked pretty severely, and it hurts. It really does. It hurts. He said, "Honey, let me tell you something about adoption." He said, "You're right. I've, I told you the truth a few years back." We were down at the adoption clinic one day, visiting with some children to adopt. It's a heartbreaking, wretching experience if you hadn't been there. There's many, many children during this season that won't have that experience that most of us have. He said, we were down there one day, and your mother was giving birth to you that day. And I heard you screaming from down the hall. And we came out to see what was up. And they passed by us with you still covered in the blood. You were still covered in blood. And it just hit me, the father said. He said, I won't rest until she becomes mine. He said, you didn't know me. We didn't have to take you. I didn't have to love you. And I didn't have to give you my name. But I saw you covered in the blood. And your father passed by you that day. And I couldn't rest until you became mine. He said, I'm going to tell you one thing you can do tomorrow. You go back to school and you tell those kids that their parents had to take what they got. But you tell them your father came by you one day and saw you covered in the blood. And he adopted you. And you became mine. And you'll never lose that. Can you picture that? That's what happens when God saw you. Covered in His Son's blood. And He adopted you into His family. You're born again through a birth, but you got adopted because somebody had a burden. Number two, when you get born again, it's because God takes things from you. Because God declared in Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. When you get born again, God takes things from you. There's now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who walk in the Spirit and not after the flesh. Brother, when you get born again, God takes your shame. God takes your guilt. God takes your scars. God takes your regrets. God takes your mistakes. God takes all those memories, all those bad actions, all those bad attitudes, all that unforgiveness, hatred, envy, all those things that scarge you in the presence of God. When you get born again, God takes things from you. Amen, Brother Todd. That's good preaching. Sometimes you have to shout yourself on. When Jesus dipped you in the blood, when you get called upon Him by faith, God removed your sins as far as the east is from the west. When you get born again, God takes things from you. Did you know sin is not black? In the Bible, sin is not black. You've always heard people say black is sin. That's not not true. There's never has been. Sin is red. It's always been red. What do you do with Isaiah chapter one verse eighteen? Come now, let's gather together. Let's say it saith to the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow; though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Snow is white, wool is white. Now every time God looks at this guy, he's a sinner. He dresses nice. Just moderate in his cussing. He's a social drinker. Gambles a little bit. Oh, he's a preacher. (laughs) Excuse me. Don't get me started on that. But when God looks at him, he's still a sinner because all of sin comes short of the glory of God. So when God looks at you, at your very best, it's filthy rags. And that term filthy means bloody rags, nasty rags. It means dirty, infections, open wounds. It means sickening. The best you can do, you're still sickening in the sight of God. Because you're red. You're a sinner. But the Scriptures in Revelation 1 verse 5 says, Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in, in, preposition In his own blood. (laughs) Let's hold it right there. Let me explain the difference between in and with. April 2011. Tornado comes through. Wipes out the water plant. Y'all recall that? Nearly perished wide. Very few had water. For a while. Brother Foster knows that. There's a difference between bathing in water and bathing with water. You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) Those those of you who went through that, you understand the difference between in and with. Okay? Now, in his own blood. Now, if this stand was in a jar, you'd have to look through the jar to see that lectern right there, that stand. Pulpit, if you will. Now, the scripture reads, Revelation 1.5, in his blood. So you take that red sinner, surround him with the red blood of Jesus Christ. This is what God said. You're a crimson red sinner, and there's nothing you can do to wash it away and go to heaven. Not you alone. You are a sinner by choice. You are a sinner by nature. And you're going to die that way because you're red. You're a sinner. But one day... You heard that Jesus Christ died on the cross and by faith you allowed Him to wash you through the faith in the gospel, in His blood. Now when God sees you, He sees you through the blood of His Son. And when God looks through that red blood, into that red center, we're whiter than snow, we're whiter than wool, we're clean from all sin. Amen. We've been justified in the sight of God. That's the only color in the world that will do that. We used to do what you call science projects in school. I don't even know if they even have that term anymore. I mean, brother, we competed. We went to NLU with it, we got through. Or all, or whatever it is now. Miss Burris was a wonderful lady. Y'all know her. She taught me in the fifth grade science. This brought me back to that when I was reading these scriptures. I did an experiment on colors. You take a red object and you look through red. That second red becomes clear. Ah, what you say? That second object becomes clear. What's that Bible say? He washed you in his blood. He can only see you when you've accepted him through the blood of his son, Jesus. Woo! Good. Goodness. Now, when you get adopted, when you get born again, it's what God takes from you. When you get adopted, it's what God gives to you. Now we're getting somewhere. It's the inheritance part. The inheritance part. Remember this. This time of year. Yes, Jesus was a precious gift. But that salvation that's provided to us, oh, wretched sinners, that's another gift altogether. For those of you that don't know Christ... You listen to this. It's the inheritance part. We're always wanting to know what's in it for us, aren't we? Aren't we? Always. What's in it for us? Well, he's got something in store. I guarantee you, brother, it's the inheritance part. The birth takes away my sin. The adoption gives me the inheritance of God. In the mind of God, we're already seated in heavenly places. In the mind of God, we've inherited all the riches of God. Through his beloved son, the Lord Jesus. I looked this up. Do you know when a child, when you adopt a child, you cannot say, I want that child to be my grandchild. If it was, that little fellow right there at two and a half would be mine. You can't say that. You can't say that I want it to be a great grandchild. It only has to be children. Amen. Sons or daughters. There's no distant kin. Because God, he's not a respecter of a person. We've all been brought into his close family. No distant kin. I've got an inheritance and I don't even know what to do with it. If I knew what it was, I'd probably attempt suicide to get there. That's how low life we are. That's why he can only bring it to us subtly. We have to study on it. Soak it in. All the riches of God. Rotterdam, Holland is the place this next illustration came from. I read this article many years ago. This old man told this story of his father that had witnessed the miracle of all miracles. In Rotterdam, there was a wealthy man there, even in the line to be in kingship of that nation. He and his lovely young wife lived in an extraordinary castle-like home. They were very wealthy with many horses, many thousands of acres of land. And he and his wife decided after several years of marriage that it was time to have children. So they began to seek and have a child, and, and it wasn't long until she conceived. And nine months later, she not only brought forth their first baby into the world, it was their only baby. For upon delivery, she died. The little blonde haired, blue eyed boy was born and he lived. Because the wife died, the father's total love and affection was centered on that little boy. He was the apple of his eye, money was no object. He had all the best tutors and all the nannies and, and the servants that you could ever imagine. grew up with a very close relationship with his dad, unbelievably close. And one day that 11-year-old boy, he decided he wanted to, uh, the dad decided he wanted a hand-painted portrait of his son, 11 years old. It was four feet wide and six feet tall. Eight inches hand-carved wood on that portrait. You can just exquisite specimen a life-size portrait, hung over the main fireplace. Little did the dad know that this would be the only portrait he would ever have of his son. One day out riding those extravagant horses, it threw the boy and broke his neck and he died. Things happen. The dad went into extreme depression, we can understand. The story said that he lived in that castle by himself until the day he died. Everyone wondered where or with whom the, the, he was going to leave his massive estate because the only heir, his son, had died. And so everybody flocked in for the estate auction. So the day came and the place was overflowed with people, and executors stood up <coughs> with the wheel and stated that there are three sections to this wheel. Section number one was to sell everything that you see on this property. Everything. There was no need to keep it because there was no heirs. Everything was sold. They began to sell everything excluding one item, and that was the portrait of his son. That was section number two. Millionaires had come from all over. They purchased all those horses. Some purchased furniture from extravagant places, just beautiful stuff, very expensive stuff. And when they finished bidding and selling everything, section two of the will was to sell the picture of his son that they didn't even know. Four foot wide, six foot tall, life-size portrait of this boy. They didn't even know. One of the guys stood up and said, do I have a bid? Nobody bid. It was silent across the room. Do I have anybody that will bid anything on this picture? They said an old man stood up, said he was one of the servants that took care of that boy. I've got $9.13. They wrote this in Dutch, so I couldn't read Dutch. But $9.13 is what he said. $9.13. Still silence across the room. Nobody else had a bid. The old man that loved that little boy got him for $9.13. Then they opened up third section of that wheel, and it read, To the individual that thought enough of my son will inherit inherit all the wealth from section number one. When a sinner receives Jesus as their Savior, God opens up the floodgates of heaven, and all the wealth of glory, and all the wealth of God, he bestows on those that want his son. The Bible says wealth untold. That's what adoption does when he puts you into the family. Number three, I must hurry. You're born again because somebody died, but you're adopted because somebody lives. Dead people, I looked it up, dead folks, it is against the law for dead folks to adopt. It's against the law. That's why Jesus got up on resurrection morning, not only to save you, he said, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore and have the keys to death and hell. He has to be alive. You're not saved if Jesus is not alive. You're not adopted (coughs) if Jesus is not alive. We couldn't be put in the family if Jesus wasn't alive. This is what he said. I'm alive forevermore. An old radio preacher by the name of Brother Edgar Thomas answered this question many years ago. He said, if you're wondering, are you born again or are you adopted? Let me put your mind at ease today. You're both. He said, being born again puts you in the family of God. Being adopted is a promise you'll never be cut out of it. Amen? You'll never be cut out of it. Did you know if you have children born to you and they go bad or hurt you, did you know legally you can cut them out of your will? You don't have to leave them nothing. You don't have to leave them anything. If they go bad and hurt you, you don't have to leave them nothing. Well, I got some frowns on that one. Ooh, didn't know so many folks with bald head they can put that head down. If you break your heart, If they break your heart, and they're not everything you want them to be, you can cut your born children out of your will. But did you know if you adopt a child? If you adopt a child, they may break your heart. They may not be everything you want them to be. They might not always go in the direction you want them to go. But did you know it's against the law? You cannot cut an adopted child out of your will. That's the law. And they say our constitution and things is not based on Scripture. I think a lot of it is inspired by God. That's right. He saved you through the blood, He put you in the family of God. Then He turned around and adopted you and said, I've not only put you in my family, but you're there forever. And you may not be <clears throat> what, what you're supposed to be, but you'll never, never. Never. I said you'll never be cut out of the family of God. Hallelujah. You'll never be cut out because you're adopted. Isn't the Lord good? He's a gracious God. We're adopted into His family. You've got to accept Him. We talked about it this morning. There's a difference between believing and having faith. I believe a lot of things. Don't mean I go with it. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you better go with it. You better call on Him before it's everlasting too late. If you're not sure, you better be sure. It's nothing like having a family that you can't be kicked out of. Wealth untold. Jesus didn't have to die for us. God doesn't need us, we need Him. And I pray this day are you sure about your salvation? pray for those you're not sure about. But let me tell you something. If you're not sure about somebody else, it's a good possibility they may need it because they don't show it. You got to rub off on somebody when you one of his. In school, And work on the ball field. You play like you're a child of God. And all things give thanks unto Him. You praise Him. Please stand. Please stand. We've got an invitation this morning. I think uh, they've got something planned. Um but while they while they do that, you lift up someone. I've had some great conversations this morning. Touch my heart. But you lift somebody else up in prayer? Please, I beg of you, somebody needs the Lord today. We go through this holiday season. We have family over. You go visit somebody else. Pray with them. These people hurting and going through things you have no idea. Illnesses. Financial. Salvation. What can be better? Good Lord. I wish everybody had what I had. I'm going to tell you now. I love God. I want the world to know. Go tell it on that mountain. Sing that song every day of the year. Not just today, not just tomorrow. Good gracious, Jesus Christ was born. What a blessed thing. Let it roll, brother.